Slap bass has provided the soundtrack to funk music for decades. Now Mitch Ben is about to get to the heart of a technique, which is the unlikely link between Elvis and thrash metal. And he's even going to give it a go himself. So, thumb at the ready as we spank the plank. OK, ready? You are listening to two bass guitars. One of them is being played by one of the best bass guitarists in the world. The other one is being played by me. I'm Mitch Ben, comedian, songwriter, novelist, general hanger-on and guitarist. And I'm having a bass lesson. See, I'm not very used to the low-down world of the bottom end, but I'm going to be looking into a style of playing which brought the bass guitar from the back of the stage to the front of the mix. It's funky, it's aggressive, it's percussive, it's hard to get your head around, it's the slap bass. Now, I'm not just going to tell you about the slap bass. I'm going to try and do better than that. I'm actually going to try to learn how to do it. I'll be getting some advice from some top bass players, and I'll put it all together for my slap debut at the UK's most famous bass shop. See, it's cool, man. <laughs> it's jamming. <laughs> You've heard slap bass. It's it's that kind of uh, low rootsy twang sort of noise. It makes you nod your head. You know, it makes you pull that blues face like there's a bit of a smell coming from somewhere. It's 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 funky. Now, essentially, slap bass is when you hit the string with your thumb. Sounds simple? It isn't, and it's out of hand in defining the music we listen to today. And if I'm going to perform it in front of actual judgmental guitar nerd human beings, I'm going to need some help. And some history. But we'll start with a visit to Wunjo Bass in Denmark Street in London, which will become the stage for my slap debut. I'm here to meet a friend of mine, world-renowned bass player and one of rock's most accomplished name-droppers, Guy Pratt. Guy's played bass with Pink Floyd, Roxy Music, Madonna, Michael Jackson. I was not attracted to playing the bass at all. In the 70s, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. there was absolutely no glamour in playing bass, certainly uh, not in sort of rock music, which is what I was no. interested in. Yeah. Um, no, I wanted to play guitar. Uh, and of course, when I asked for an electric guitar, my parents said, um, oh darling, why don't you get a nice Spanish one? It was like, Spanish? <laughs> So that was, it was the electric bit I was interested in. Uh -huh. But so no, so I got a bass. I asked for a bass because I thought no one would know what it was. And of course, back then I didn't have an amp. There were there were no drum machines. There was no computers. There was no nothing. It was really boring to have to slog away at this thing. But the brilliant thing about that was when I got back to school, and of course everyone else had got electric guitars for Christmas. Um, if they wanted to be a band, they needed a bass player. They needed me. So yeah. you know, the pick of the idiots. But then my sort of salad days, which was which was the eighties, was what bass was the absolute glamour instrument. Mm -hmm. Quite a lot of which was to do with slapping. Was very much yeah. to the forefront. You know, because music was all about t technology and pushing the edge of technology, and the bass was really well suited to that. It it was very much a glamour instrument. We also get that face sort of at the end of the seventies, the beginning of the eighties, um, sort of off the back of kind of Sheik and Bernard Edwards, yeah. where the bass is at the forefront of those arrangements, isn't yeah. it? Bernard is more kind of finger work well, than that. Go on. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, he was all that kind of thing. But it's just the idea that the bass player is that he's the foundation of the song. But then, as you were saying, every now and again, actually, you're providing the flourishes and the uh, and the fills rather than yeah, because it can be good for in. that. I mean, I once described a good bass player as like a good waiter. You don't know he's there. Shit just gets done. <laughs> Right, so, obviously, I had work to do. To help me out, I had to sit down with Yolanda Charles. Yolanda's played with Ross Stylus, Robbie Williams and Paul Weller. She told me how she got started. Before I even started playing bass, I was listening to Luther Vandross right. and Soul and from America, mostly. Mm-hmm. And the bass player on those records was Marcus Miller. Right. And he's very well known in other it fields as well. But um, I heard him, first of all, on Luther Vandross records right, and right. just loved the bass lines. So is the sort of the popping and slapping thing something which you take great pleasure in and try and, you know, and, and try and get into the professional playing whenever possible, even if it's not always appropriate? Never, <laughs> Never. is the answer to that one. Never if I want to keep my job and not be shown the door. <laughs> she agreed to introduce me to the world of slap in tiny little sections, one at a time, very slowly. Usually, the, on a four-string bass, you'd hit yeah. the lower strings, the E and the A, with your mm-hmm. thumb. And it's like the joint, the knuckle joint of yeah. your thumb. And you can imagine that you're actually joining flesh with metal. <laughs> and it's a, in a percussive form. And cool. basically, it hurts right. when you first start. And this is the sound you'll get. So it's quite hard, as opposed yeah. to if I played it with my fingers... Yeah. So you get the percussive edge at the front of the note. Yeah. It just sounds hard. Yeah. Then you've also got a muted sound, which is when you place all your fingers across all of the strings so that you get no ringing. Do exactly the same technique with your right hand. So open would be like this. So you get Mm -hmm. this effect. Then you've got a pluck or a pop. Then you've got a muted pluck or pop. So you've got a normal ringing pop, and then a muted one. And that pop sound you're doing with your fingers. Just remember for the folks at home, you've got your hands sort of in a, a sort of curled shape. So the thumb comes down, whap, like that, and then the fingers pop on the way back up. Yes, you pluck so, yeah. it with your finger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of other things, that, components that make up a slap uh, bass line, which would be things like hammer-ons, which is this, which is left hand play one note and then basically hammer it on yeah, which is put to the bring finger, it across yeah, yeah, and put the finger on higher up than the previous finger and without actually plucking it at the far end yeah we do that on the guitar as well so, so yeah. overall um, a bass line that I'll make up on the spot go on then. I needed some serious practice but I also needed a bit of history now where did all this stuff come from I needed to go back in time to the days when basses stood upright and were very big indeed. My name's Sid Griffin. I'm a musician, a writer, resident musicologist on Six Music's Radcliffe and McConey show. People stop me in the street to congratulate me on all three things. <laughs> well, slap bass has been around since the 20s. It's been on some of the earliest recordings we have on uh, 78 RPM vinyls. And there is a bone of contention if this was a uh, purposeful musical movement forward or not but certainly by the 40s slap bass was a very very prominent peewee king he had a band that slap bass was featured on all the all all his band songs that ended in boogie had that kind of thing and of course the breakthrough that everyone heard and i mean everyone certainly throughout the south be they black or be they white was uh, the first few presley singles on sun records have slap bass a go-go well that's all right mama that's all right for you 
it was just three guys, Scotty Moore on guitar, Elvis Presley playing a rhythm guitar, acoustic rhythm guitar, and an acoustic bass from Bill Black. But to fill up the sound, as there were no drums, no kick drum, no cymbal, no snare, no nothing, Bill Black played that doom 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 slap bass, where you actually physically pull the string away from the fretboard and let it slap back and hit it. Papa done told me to, son, that guy you fooling with, she ain't no good for you, but that's all right. And that filled up the sound. In essence, he played the bass line and the snare line at the same time. And from there, that was that was the dam breaking. And I really think that musicologically gave it the slap bass, the biggest shot in the arm it's ever had. So moving on to what we sort of think of as being slap bass now, which is the percussive, if you like, funky disco bass. When did that first start to kick in? Pretty much we're in agreement that Larry Graham discovered or is the guy that codified the slap bass, if not the inventor of the slap bass. Larry Graham was playing with his mom. playing. Uh, she was playing piano, and he wanted to fill up the sound with his mother. When you just had a duo or a trio... He wanted to fill up the sound. There was no drummer. So he invented this percussive way of pu pulling it off with your thumb and letting it hit back. And uh, later with Sly and the Family Stone, he gave this rock funk pollination that Sly and the Family Stone got going. He gave it a cornerstone of their sound in the way that Roger McGuinn's guitar defines the birds. When he left Sly in around 74, it was already pretty prevalent. Bands like Rufus featuring Chaka Khan had the slap bass based on what they'd heard with Larry Graham doing then. But that first Larry Graham album which was called Graham Central Station. It's when he went solo from Sly. It opens up with a track called The Jam. It's eight minutes of, of funky slap supporting and introducing the various members of the band as they go through their thing, but at no time does Larry Graham stop and play demurely. He slaps the, the bass the whole way through. It is the funkiest bass line I've ever heard. There's eight minutes of it. So I was primed. I knew my history and my destiny lay with a man with one of the most distinctive styles in the history of the bass. All right, who's this? Mark King is, of course, and has been for a long time, bassist and mainly lead vocalist with Level 42. He is synonymous with the slap bass. And if anybody could sort out my thumb, he's the man. Yeah, that's Mark King. Hello, Mark King. Hello, Mitch. Hello. <laughs> How are you, man? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm great, man. I'm great. And I think it's, it's one of the very few bass players that's quite as distinctive as that. I was very lucky to be in the right place mm -hmm. at the right time when Level 42 began in 1980. Um, mm -hmm. My good buddy, Phil, gave me tons of space because we were both drummers and that sort right. of thing. And, and the, the, the technique that I use on bass, on mm -hmm. slap bass, is very much two-handed, and I've worked a lot with Larry Graham, and I see yeah. the way that he plays, and that's very much his thumb-led. The yeah. way I play it, it's actually drumming with both hands. So, right. you, you... so what was it led you to sort of uh, ditch the drums in favour of the bass? I, I didn't really want to stop playing drums. Right. You know, I, I have a kid at home. I love right. love playing drums, and and for me, it's the you know the, the drums are the thing that actually drives the band. Right. Not not so much the bass. Um, you know, bands, you, you, you get a, an average drummer in a good band and the band is going to struggle to sound better than average. You know, mm -hmm. but you have a fantastic drummer in an average band. Oh, it's band. a completely different ballgame, isn't is, it? It yeah. is, yeah. Always, yeah. The, you know, they drive it. And I would have loved to have done that. Right. But uh, it just never <laughs> fell on me. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't what happened. And, and I, I, I didn't have any drums when the band began, so that right. was it, really. And of course, the crazy thing about you, of course, is a lot of the time you're playing this and you're singing. 
And that's a fairly unusual combination. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's funny because that freaks a lot of people out because yeah. they, they're not sort of sure what, you know, what's going on there. Because I started singing when I started playing, mm-hmm. it, it really didn't seem to become too much of a too much of an issue, you know. One thinks of something like Lessons in Love, which has got all the sort of chugging arpeggios. How do you sing over the top of that and sort of keep track of where you're going? I mean, well, like, well, you know, that's... A- quite a workout because even when it goes into the chorus it goes all the dreams that we were building we never fulfilled them could be better should be better yeah lessons Lessons in in love love. there you go He is actually doing that, folks. Anybody back in the 80s going, there's no way he did that at the same time. Well, maybe on the record he didn't, but he just did in the room. So there you go. (laughs) His thumb had amazed me. His technique had terrified me. Now he was going to educate me. I'd organised me pencils. My revision timetable was full. And I'd remembered to borrow a bass. First lesson in the Mark King slap school had begun. That's it. That's the one that you need to pull off. Mitch, this is where your hand being thumbed down. Yeah, yeah, it's you're not in so way. ready for the snap. You just see. play like literally a, a slap, and I'll see if I can. But when you play thumb up, and if you do it on the on the net, that's it. Right, and then you do the better, 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 better. Two, three, four, one. <laughs> How do you make it sound like that? It's, uh... I don't know. Progress was slow, and I still had to do it in front of an actual audience. Surely I could calm my nerves by returning to the soothing canon of Slap's yesteryear. No chance. By the end of the 80s, Slap was changing. Bands like the Red Hot Chili Peppers with their tiny manic bass player Flea were redefining the technique. Sid Griffin told me how Slap was dragged from funk to punk. As regards the Chili Peppers and and so many other bands, uh, certainly Primus would be one of them, but specifically as regards the Chili Peppers, they were really, really into the cross-pollination of funk and R&B into rock and roll that people like Sly and the Family Stone represented, and certainly, certainly, certainly the Jimi Hendrix experience. When they got into that music and tried to bring it together, but in in a way that was palatable to sort of a white suburban audience, one of the key things that they had to, to draw it together was the, was Flea doing that uh, slap that funk bass. That was a cornerstone of their sound. And if you listen to a lot of the uh, thrash metal and new metal bands. Frequently, while they're banging out chords a million miles an hour and doing a chromatic scale on the guitar, there's a funk slap bass underneath at times or all the time to underpin it. It's become one of the great mainstays of that kind of music. And it comes from Flea being such a fan of Larry Graham, uh, Bootsy Collins, the Brothers Johnson, and the Jimi Hendrix experience. It emanates from there, and they've brought it to a much wider audience through, through you know, 35 years of recording now. But oddly enough, you already brought up um, what sort of became of um, particularly American sort of 
big hair lead guitar playing in the 80s when I, I was sort of it just almost became like a competitive sporting event and that's it became, a very and, good way yeah, of putting it, it, it became a competitive sporting event yeah. who can play the fastest who yeah. can play the most dramatic who can play the most thrash but underneath it all rather than just be like the Ramones and have root note bass mm -hmm. what, what what that's all rock and roll's head is root note bass the other great one is McCartney with his melodic bass yeah. And yeah. suddenly, out of nowhere, you have a third big bass genre, mm -hmm. the slap bass, the funk bass, whatever you want to call it, that gets a whole, whole different sound. And this is where the thrash metal people get it from, that whole Larry Graham, Bootsy Collins thing. Finally, I felt I was getting somewhere. But while I was researching, I came across some uh, dissenting voices. Okay, here we go, logging on to talkbase.com. Let's see, it's a post here from Tim C. Tim C says, What turns me off it is every time I go into a music store, I hear someone slapping as quickly and as loud as possible in that look-at-me-I'm-so-cool way. Right? Um, somebody else says, The technique has ruined the bass instrument. Slap bass is the signature sound of commercial, sterile, soulless music. Fair enough. Over to basechat.co.uk now. There are only two things that should be slapped, politicians and newborn babies behind. Fair enough. Right, this is all fairly depressing. I mean, there is an element, there's a fair bit of bass playing out there that's not really about the music. Yolanda Charles has come across it too. I didn't really know that slap wasn't popular or mm -hmm. that people didn't really like it in any way until there was an American show that was quite big. <laughs> Was it Seinfeld or something? Oh, well, all the links are, but they're not even real. I mean, that's no, on the that's keyboard. A keyboard. That's a sample. Bass. Absolutely, and they really hated you because you played it. Oh, they'd go Seinfeld and they'd sneer at you. And I think that probably contributed in this country. I, I genuinely to the think you're right. I think Seinfeld has genuinely damaged the reputation of slap bass in Britain. No, I think you're absolutely onto something. A crime against slap bass there. And it's a style that even academics have a bit of a problem with. My name is Mauricio Pauli and I teach electric bass in the popular music course at the Royal Northern College of Music in Manchester. I was born in Costa Rica, touring from like age 15 or 16. I guess I learned to have an opinion about music in the mid-80s, I guess, or late-80s. As soon as I hear it, I think of the face you make when you play it, I think of, of the clothes that you wear when you play it, which are not real reasons to like or dislike something, but it's, since it's at that point of my development, it's, it's, it's quite deep. When synthesis was trying to overtake recorded sound and all you heard was like keyboards, electronic drums and slapping bass with an with a out-of-tune sax solo on top. So because it was embedded in, in that crap, I, 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 I just couldn't accept it. I, I have to be careful. I think that there is a place for it. And if you're going to be a professional function player, you need to have that like ready to go and, and be convincingly good at it. But I'm not a working bass player anymore in that sense. I don't do gigs, I don't do function gigs. I play what I want only, where orchestrationally bass slap, slapping doesn't figure. And now that I say orchestration, I think that that's my biggest beef in it. And one of the things about slap is that it always stands out of the texture. It's never really embedded. Uh, I was thinking if there were any exceptions to this, Les Claypool who played uh, slap on Fretless from Primus.
the mess that the three of them created, it didn't stand out as a baseline necessarily. I mean, you could tell it works as a machine um, in a way that I don't hear the regular slap and pop of the late 70s and 80s. The real danger of it on, in a young player is how distracting it is of, of all the rest of the things that you need to be a good musician. Not even a bass player, just a musician. So here I am talking to Lawrence. Lawrence works in one Joe's. You probably hear more good and indeed bad bass playing over the course of the average working day than anybody else in Britain. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, it, every day, probably every hour, um, <laughs> there's someone who wants to slap a bass. But you kind of get used to it. And to be honest, I'd rather have people in here doing that than not having anyone. So. Well, there is that, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but I should imagine occasionally you get like, because you've got you know, quite a few practice amps set up and you've got room for about four or five guys to be playing at once. Do you sometimes have what I guess we can only describe as a slap-off going on? Yeah, especially, <laughs> especially on Saturdays when there's, you know, there's three or four guys plugged in <laughs> and they're all playing slap bass, kind of a slap bass fog. And does it ever actually get genuinely competitive? Do you ever find yourself, when we're not getting out of here until there's a winner, until <laughs> <laughs> two of them are bleeding on the floor and one stands triumphant? To be, to be honest, it, it, bass players aren't quite competitive. If there's two guys who are kind of doing that sort of stuff, m most often they kind of like stop and go, what were you doing there? Right, what was this? right, right, right. How yeah. did you do that? You know, so that it can get a little bit like that, you know, kind of sharing tips. Yolanda Charles, Zen master that she is, told me that sometimes the true way of the bass is to do very little. Because I don't do this, what they call the thunder thumbs kind of <laughs> constant, continuous slapping style, yeah. um, I don't really get into that. But I do feel that in terms of being a good musician, mm -hmm. making good music yeah. is about playing your instrument so that it fits in with the music mm -hmm. and supports the overall piece of music yeah. so that you're not drowning out yeah. the vocalist, you're not playing so much that the drummer's got no chance but to just play very basically underneath you because you're playing so many rhythms that there's mm -hmm. nothing left in terms of space. <laughs> so all of that, basically, anybody who continually just plays in that way in a yeah. band situation isn't really playing for the music. And um, I would consider that a not a good musician, no. yeah, it's, ultimately. It's, well, it's easy to become technique for technique's sake. Well, exactly, and I find that those, those very fast techniques, those... Mm -hmm. They're actually really kind of useful for a moment, you know, mm -hmm. for a, a bar or two bars of, of a fill. Mm -hmm. Or if you get a bass solo. <laughs> what are they? Don't go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark King knows when to step away from the slap. The first rule of the bass player yeah. is you've got to support the track. You've yes. got to make the song work, mm. you know, and you've got to make it swing and mm. you've got to do something that, that suits the track. It's no good just slapping for slap's no. sake, you know. Yeah. And and, and I, w I wouldn't, you know, I'd always say, no, you, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, yeah. if it works better sound, pick a plectrum up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, oh, I'm and so use pleased a, to hear you say know? that. No, for sure. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Yeah. There are some things that yeah. just don't work very yeah. well with the thumb, you know. But the time for talking was over. There was an audience waiting for me. Time to get the old thumb out and time to, as it were, spank the plank. Um, well, this is this is embarrassing. Uh, I'm in Wonjo's Bass Shop in uh, London's fashionable Denmark Street, and so embarrassingly enough, are quite a few other people. Hello, quite a few other people. Hello, hello. 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 Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm I'm going to try and, and record a brief burst of, of slap in in 120. So, Kev, the producer, get the click going. 
There we go. I'm terribly sorry you had to see that. Um, that's that's sort of me attempting to play slap bass when I'm not even a bass player, never mind a slap bass player. And obviously I'm doing it in the presence of Guy Pratt, one of the best bass players on the planet, um, which is kind of, you know, depressing, but just just, just put me out my misery. How do you think I did? Fabulous. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. You're Absolutely amazing. Nailed it. We could never have done that, could we? Um, <laughs> Absolutely not, though, no. <laughs> and me? How did he do? Media, you <laughs> This technique does have its critics, but, you know, I think it might be because it's it's basically the most un-British thing you can do with a bass guitar. It's a technique which says, hey, I know what I'm doing. I've put the hours in. I've practised. I'm good at this. We prefer that kind of diffident, oh, this old thing, yeah, don't really know one end of it from the other kind of approach. And the top players I've met understand that there is a time and a place for doing this kind of thing. They know how to keep it simple when they have to, but... Larry Graham, help me out here. I'm fairly sure Heston Blumenthal could rustle you up some cheese on toast. I'm fairly confident that Darcy Bustle could nail the hokey-cokey. But sometimes it's really nice to see someone who really knows what they're doing doing the thing they really know how to do. And whether it's dance, painting, art or music, all practice is, is building up your creative arsenal. It's amassing the skills and techniques that make you a creative force to be reckoned with. And yes, the point of a skill is knowing when to use it and indeed when not to. But when a chef or a dancer or an artist or a musician really lets rip, when they show you what they can do in one mad burst it's a magnificent thing to behold. I'm Mitch Ben, and that was Spank the Plank. Mitch, you've still got two minutes. Ah, uh, two minutes. Right then, since we've been dealing with some pretty special bass players, let's have a bit of fun. Right we are, chaps, 120 BPMs in a mocking. Nice one, Thunderbums. Over to Yolanda Charles. Sweetly done, Yolanda. You're up, Guy Pratt. Let's get everybody in. They're all bass nerds after all. Your producer, Kev. Our sound guide, Richard Hannaford. If you've enjoyed the music in this program, form your own band and do a few cover versions. Or 
You could find all the music by clicking on this programme's page on the website and by using the BBC Playlister. OK, everybody at once! Yeah, bad idea. Sorry. That's all right, Mitch. Most funky. Spank the Plank was produced by Kev Core.